Mr. Booker. May I offer you a warm red spice? Many find it to be soothing when experiencing emotional distress. That obvious. Your grief is to be expected. But your body language also expresses guilt. Illogical as the cause of your loss was a force of nature and, as such, not your fault. I wasn't aware Vulcans were so emotionally attuned. A common misconception. Vulcans experience emotions, some quite strongly. We simply choose to suppress them in favor of a more logical approach. Care to give me a few pointers in that approach? The discipline of the RMU requires a lifetime to master. For the uninitiated respite would be fleeting at best. A drowning man only needs one breath. I believe you require a different set of tools than I can offer, Mr. Booker. As a Quajon, emotion is as essential to you as air and blood, rendering the suppression of guilt inadequate. What you require is freedom from guilt. There must have been a sign it was coming. I missed it. If I hadn't, I could have saved my family. That is not illogical. Welcome, everybody, to Deep Space Pride, a gay Star Trek podcast. My name is Mike. I am one of your hosts. And with me is my co-host, Johnson. Johnson, happy Wednesday. How are you doing? Um, I am doing okay. You know, it's a Wednesday that I have been treading, where I've been treading water, but it's fine. How about you? Uh, I would say the same. It's been a crazy day. It's been a lot. It's been yeah, a lot. It's it's been a lot. I I I um I was feeling your drowning comment today. I felt like I still feel like I'm drowning <laughs> in everything that I need to do and everything that's going on. So yeah. So after but, this recording, you're gonna go back to drowning. I I might yes. <laughs> Uh, after after Dennis orders some Mexican food for us for dinner. Oh, no cooking tonight. No, I'm not cooking, no. Um, and he's home, so. Oh, excellent. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so is there, Are you guys going to have empanada mama? Is, is this what you're going to No, that, that is not considered Mexican. That is considered empanada mama. <laughs> what what is what is empanada like mama? Cat, what kind of cuisine is empanada mama? I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it's maybe it's Mexican, but yes, I it's Mexican. honestly... Okay, well, it it exists in its own Latin, plane. Whatever, it's it exists in its own plane. So yes, that oh, is right. its own category. Uh, but Mex, when we talk Mexican, we talk like Hell's Kitchen or um, or Ariba. Ariba, I guess, would be Mexican. So more authentic, more authentic. But yes, yeah, so I am awaiting the delivery of my 
chicken or steak quesadilla oh, for dinner. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so yes, and then I'll go back to drowning. Actually, I, I actually, right before we jumped online, I figured out what I needed to do for this one thing for a PowerPoint slide that I need to do and create as a handout. So I, love I figured PowerPoint. that out. Figured that out. I know what I'm doing with that. If you ever need so help with PowerPoint, good. I can help you. I love PowerPoint. Oh, I mean, I'm going to do it actually in Keynote. I love, I can, I can create it in seconds in Keynote, whereas oh, I don't, I mean, okay. um, so I'm just going to create it in Keynote, but I, at least I, I couldn't figure out the data and how I wanted to present it. And now I, I figured it out right before we jumped online. So got it. You need, you need Tilly uh, to help you. She loves data. I do. Oh yes. Yes. Or blue. Or blue. Slash um, Adira. Adira. Sure. They could, they could, they could help me. Absolutely. I would, I would take their help in a second. Mm-hmm. Because yes, as we talked about, they last are both week, good at data. They both are, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's what's going on. It's Wednesday. I am looking forward to the end of this week and the weekend. I cannot wait for this week to be over. It needs to be over. It needs to die this week. Uh, yes. The problem is that the weeks aren't going to get any slower as we approach the holidays. At least for me. Although yeah, I, I, think, have no, I, I think things are going to be pretty busy until basically the week of Christmas, like, because, well, I have off from the 23rd to the 2nd, which is nice, but that, oh, means, nice. Oh. that means rush, 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 because we need to get things out, yes, you know, right. we need to wrap yeah. things up. So, so you are, you have the 23rd off or that's your last day? The 23rd is off. That... Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, so the 23rd no, it's nice, is my last but... day. When's your last day? The 23rd. And then I'm taking, well, then I have the 24th off. The weekend is 25, 26. And then I have 27, 28, 29 off. I'm working the 30th for one day. And then I have 31, one, Got it. two off. Okay. So yeah. So, but that is a long way away. And there seems to be many mountains in front of us. <laughs> Uh, but we'll get there, I suppose. And, uh, so in other news, right, you know, we talked a little while ago about, um, about anniversaries and this week is the anniversary of my second favorite Star Trek film, which is the undiscovered country. Captain's log star date 9529.1. This is the final cruise of the Starship Enterprise under my command. This ship and her history will shortly become the care of another crew. To them and their posterity will we commit our future. They will continue the voyages we have begun and journey to all the undiscovered countries boldly going where no man, where no one has gone before. I think it might be my first. I love the Undiscovered Country. Yeah, I do too. Love it. I, I mean, I think I've seen it like thirty-five times. Oh, if I, yeah, absolutely, at least, maybe even more, maybe even a hundred. A hundred? That's a lot. A hundred's a lot. I know. A hundred's a lot. Like, maybe fifty. Maybe fifty. I've probably watched The Wrath of Khan a hundred times, though. 
Oh my god, you have so much time. I, I love The Wrath of Khan, but I re I also love The Undiscovered Country. It's just a great movie. So great. It's such a good movie. I mean, I appreciate the Ravacon. I like the Ravacon a lot. I just think that the Undiscovered Country has so many layers to it. it, is so interesting. And obviously, there's big societal commentary to Russia, the USSR, whatever. Oh, or, like yeah. There's just yeah. a lot of layers to it. And obviously, it's the last true TOS film, if you don't count generations. So there's just a lot that's kind of brought back that i just love about the movie yeah and the music the score of that cliff so good i think it's cliff, i think it's cliff edelman right um i want to say that that's his score but it's amazing it's an amazing score i, I could listen to that score all day uh it is a good uh, score don't get me yeah, wrong yeah you have david warner you have yeah you just have you you know uh, you know, the the only thing, well, you know, I'm I'm glad that they created the character Valeris. I'm glad it wasn't Savic who did the kind of traitorous uh traitorous actions. Uh but you know, I I do I do think that all everyone has lines and scenes in this movie that really like it's really a showcase. Yeah, everyone gets a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone gets a moment. Exactly. And uh, so I think it's it's really enjoyable in that respect. And I like the mystery. I like. Yeah. I mean, it's just I. Yeah, I really like Valeris. Going back to that point, I thought Kim Cattrall did a great job. <laughs> I mean, she did. Yes. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we, we also love her in Sex and the City, but yes. this is one of her yeah. first big roles, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, she does a nice job with it. Uh, Leonard Nimoy does a nice job with it. I mean, him as Spock and being so contemplative and thinking about his legacy. It's, mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, there's just so many great scenes in this movie. Um, and guest stars, um, you know, we have the Excelsior as well. So that's always fun. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that formed the basis, right, for the Voyager episode. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love the Voyager episode. Well, they did a yeah, great job flashback. with that. Flashback, yeah. So yeah, just so much to love about this. I was trying to think, because the last time you asked me, do I remember where I saw this? And I don't remember where I saw this. I, I saw this on VHS. This this was yeah. not, yeah, this was not, yeah. I, I was not like a movie-going go, movie going Star Trek fan at the time. And I also didn't really discover TOS. I didn't really go back to TOS until after TNG. So this yeah. came out, what, 90, 91? Um, I, yes, 91. So yes. at that time, I was just starting to get into TNG and such. So I hadn't gone back to the movies, the TOS movies yet. Yeah, I can't remember. So if this, wow, this is 91. Wow, that's, uh, wow, so it's like, what, by this time, it's like third, fourth season of TNG? Yeah, for yeah. mid midway through fourth season, I think mm -hmm. something like that. Uh, yeah, wow, uh, ninety one. So that oh wow, I was in college. Well, yeah, thirtieth anniversary, right? Yes, so I I'm old. Makes sense. Uh, yeah, wow, wow. I was in college when this came out. So I guess my original thought, I thought I'd seen it with my uncle, but I guess not, because I definitely would have been. 
at school, we would have been actually in finals right then, right around this time. So yeah, wow. So I, I have no idea when I saw it, but I've seen it a lot since then. I was so. I was nine. Okay, shut up. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Shut up, bitch. That's enough out of you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, little, I'm you. just yelling at you. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. That was nine. So what we was have your, that. Uh, wait, wait, as how, while we're talking about it, what is your most memorable scene from Star Trek Six? Putting you on the spot. Ooh. I mean, the one that I mean, I love the ending. I love I love the ending of how it all comes together, like the beaming down to the planet and Kirk's little speech. Yeah, to mm. Kittimer. Um Kirk's speech and you know, saving the president, that whole scene. And then I, I do love like from that, you know, from that point on, well, actually before that, like the ending of this is so amazing because right, you have two ships racing to Kitamar. You know, Sulu says flyer apart, which I love, which is like one of the most memorable lines to me. He like mm -hmm. flying that ship apart. So they're screaming across the beta quadrant and towards Kitamar. And uh, you've got the cloaked Klingon ship that can fire. And then all of that happens. Uh, by the way, that's the original exploding bird of prey. I know like, I that we that see that for, for generations. It makes no sense. Yeah, they so reused, and I think they, I think they even used it in in Next Generation at some point uh, as well. Really? Um, I, I feel like they did, but anyway. Um, so that, and then beaming down to the planet, and all that happens there. You know, Scotty shooting the assassin and flying out of the window and. What's going on? The president asks, and and Kirk says it's all about the future, Mister President, mm -hmm. and does this big, you know? They and then they all stand like, stand like Olympic, uh, and they everyone claps. <laughs> yeah, everyone claps, and they're like three of them: Scotty, Kirk, and Sulu are on like these different, uh, like it's almost like an Olympic podium, right? And they're everyone's clapping. So yeah, and then the ending is just great, you know. Uh, you know, Scotty says, you know, that's a big ship or, or someone says that's a big ship. Oh, McCoy says that's a big ship. And uh, Scotty says not so big as her captain. Uh, so it's just and the music, the music through all of that. And then the fanfare and them signing, signing off. I just mm -hmm. I love like that. Like I could just watch that part over and over again. It's just so great. So I know I just covered about half of the movie, but <laughs> that that is uh Oh, that whole part right from that that point on is just nonstop, really good action. Oh, and McCoy and Spock and doing surgery on a torpedo. Torpedo. So their little uh, scene in quips and uh, fascinating, you know, when Spock says, you want to do surgery on a torpedo? And he says, fascinating. fascinating. So, um, so yeah. Uh, so any of that is is that any of that your favorite or did you have another favorite? I had a completely scene different favorite scene. Um, oh, awesome! Great. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was the the scene where um, it's after they discover that Valeris is the traitor and they are rushing to Kittimer, the Enterprise, and you have that moment uh, between Kirk and Spock where they both talk about how old they are, and Spock is like. You know, he's just musing about, 
you know, his age, but then also how he missed it, right? How do he miss that Polaris um, is, was a traitor? And I really like that scene. It's obviously a very intimate scene between Kirk and Spock, but um, I think that it kind of sums up their friendship and their journey in a lot of ways. And it also goes back to, it, it's a reflection also, you know, Ralph Khan Star Trek too, because that's the, you know, if you recall in that film, Kirk is also thinking about his legacy and his age. And, old you know, there's and, yeah. a lot there that a lot in that it's not a very long scene, but I really do. I, that does stand out for me um, as just you know, that little bit, the, the yeah. Kirk and Spock piece of it. Okay. Cause yes. that sort of leads into the sick bay scene and then into the, um, wasn't it after? I thought it was after. Oh, was it after? Yeah, it's after. I don't remember the order. After they're, they're, they're rushing. They're, yes, they they face Polaris and then they, they're rushing towards Kittimer. They found out that um, they found uh, okay. from Sulu that's Kittimer and they're right, on their right. way there. Okay. I do like the, the whole sick base scene and then, you know, Spock slapping the phaser out of Valeris. Oh, yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. And then also the, uh, the mind meld in the middle of the bridge. Yes, that was very intense. Her. Very intense. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I think we could talk about this film alone forever because it's just scene after scene of just really memorable quotes and, you know, interactions between the crew and all of that. I just, uh, it's, it's an amazing film. Um, yes. Perhaps even now talking about it, it's, you know, it is it is a tie for my favorite with Wrath of Khan. But anyway, um, yeah, don't get me yeah. wrong. Wrath of Khan is um, is great too. It's it's just not as layered. It's a little more straightforward. This yeah, has it's, a yeah, lot it's, of like metaphor, yeah. and again, it wraps yeah. things up. It's a reflection on their lives and friendships. You know, it's just a, there's a lot. Kind of yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. You're you're totally you're I totally agree with you. It is a much more layered film and yes, it's uh it is very good. It's excellent. So well cool. And uh so also this past week, uh or no, it was last week, right? Last week, yeah. Coda book three is out. Yes. I well, just started reading. You're halfway through. I'm not there yet. I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through it and I'm feeling Avengers Endgame ish about okay. it. Okay. Um, it's very Avengers Endgame. Um, like, I mean, so book two, I compared to The Empire Strikes Back. This one I'm comparing to Avengers Endgame. But anyway, it's, it's good. It's also, uh, yeah, it's very complex. Um, but I'm halfway through it. And uh, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do all of this. I mean, yeah, there's there's some good ex- explanation as to why things are happening. Okay. So that's interesting. Uh, and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm enjoying that. And we still need to talk about book two. We do. Which I feel we like do. book two feels like forever ago. And now I'm in the middle of book three. And how am I going to talk about book two? But, um, but yeah, so we do need to talk about we, that at some we point. We do. Um, but, uh, I think we should probably get into talking about this week's Star Trek Discovery episode. Yeah, let's do it. 
which is called, and I'm already forgetting it, uh, Choose to Choose Live. To live. <laughs> there God. Choose to Live. So let's talk about episode three of Star Trek Discovery's fourth season, Choose to Live. Janine said she was unsure of her path until she met Taklinen. And then you said that there was another path ahead. The Quantum Lot are very big on the path thing, right? Paths end and change throughout everyone's life. When we say choose to live, it's an abbreviated form of a longer saying. The path you are on has come to an end. Choose to live. If you find yourself at the wrong end of a Kuwamalot sword, it's pretty easy to see that particular path is over for you. You either move on to a new path and live, or you stay and die. What if the death is more metaphorical? In everyday life, a path's end can be harder to recognize. You must be willing to look inside yourself with absolute candor. Another thing you're very big on. So, Johnson, uh, you know, we were talking, both of us have only watched, only had time to watch this once. Yeah. Uh, yeah. so we were kind of, we, we unpacked it a little before we recorded. So we remember, so we have in this episode, we have three very distinct storylines. So I mm. thought we tackle them, tackle them by storyline. Sure. That works. Uh, and, uh, talk, talk about the episode that way. Uh, so the three storylines are obviously Michael, Tilly and Gabrielle. Uh, on their search for the Kuat Malat uh, person called Javini. Javini. Kuat Malat person. Yes. Um, I don't know. You know, yes. Uh, Whatever. So, guest character that we'll probably never see again. It's fine. Okay. Yes. Guest character. And uh, so there's that whole search and seek out and capture. Mm -hmm. uh, we have, uh, we have, Gray and Adira's storyline. Yes. Gray is uh, being transferred into his body. His golem. His golem. Uh, so there is that. Uh, we have, and, you know, with that, we have a little bit of uh, Culber in there and Saru and Culber even in their new bar scene, uh, bar set, right? In their new bar uh, yes, setup. Yes, they're, uh, it's like they're 10 forward or something. They're, yes, exactly. So they're new 10 forward. And uh, so we have that. And then we, the third act of this, or the third part of this is the Navarre Science Institute. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, yes. And it's basically it. the Vulcan Science Institute, except it's the Navarre Science Institute. Yes. So. Uh, and uh, we have Book and Stamets along with the president, which I can't think of her name right now. Um, I she's not. She, she I really love her, but I don't know. I need to look. I do too. I, I think she's Tarina. a great character. Tarina. Tarina. I keep on thinking Tana, but that's Doctor Tana on Lower Decks. That's incorrect. But yes. close, Tarina. Tarina. So we have uh, her doing, uh, playing a role in that piece. So, and and that piece also extends back to the discovery when Stamets is unpacking this with with Book and mm -hmm. and Burnham comes in and she's 
he starts to explain the DMA, the dark matter anomaly, as they're calling it uh, at the moment. So uh, why don't we start there? I think that that's a good place to start. Is the we'll start with the dark matter anomaly since that is the overarching theme of this season, right? Uh, let's start there. So thoughts on that whole progression from what Stamets is learning and trying to figure out and his journey to Navarre and the Vulcan Science in, or slash Navarre Science Institute. What are your thoughts on that piece of the storyline? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'm glad we finally got to see Navarre. I wish we Agreed. saw more of it. Not, not just kind of this like 3D printed, like I don't know, it was like this 3D printed like thing. I don't know, like the space. Um, it looked interesting. Um, obviously, they have a, they're spending money on sets and such, as well as this like LED screen. So it really does help to make it more immersive and real. Um, but yeah, I mean, like obviously, we this this served more as. Uh, it, it didn't really advance other than kind of saying is not a primordial wormhole. It didn't really advance the, um, the research for the DMA, whatever we want to call the anomaly, gravitational anomaly very much. It was really more to serve as a cathartic, cathartic moment for a book, you know? Um, so I appreciate that. Cause you know, we've, we, <laughs> at least for one episode of, one or two episodes we've seen book really struggle with this um, and obviously everything that's going on, which makes sense. But um, yeah, I, I thought that that was good and hopefully he will be less mopey for the rest of the season and less, less crying. Um, but yeah, I he think, has a know, lot of reason to cry I as suppose, we've said. I suppose. Um, and yeah, Stamets, it, it Sam, you know, the book, one of the Vulcan science, sorry, Navarre scientists uh, had a comment and I was like, it's true uh, because he was, you know, Samus had a very emotional response when the Navarre scientists were just like, there's no tachyons. It, this is, it's not, you know, it's, we can't provide support for your hypothesis. And Stamet is like, get so, get so mad. And the Navarre scientist is like, uh, you're a scientist, like, you know, you should be kind of approaching this from a more empirical standpoint. There's no reason to get so emotional about it. Um, and Stamets is a very emotional person, you know, and because I was kind of like, uh, yes, you are a scientist, you know, like go on to the next theory if this is not going to work out. Like you test the hypothesis, it doesn't stick, you move on, you know, try something else. But obviously he has a lot of emotional investment in this research because now it's not only not only is he a no, not only is he a very emotional scientist but he also made book this promise that you know he is going to figure this out so yeah you know i, I was like fine you know like i i think stamets gets really emotional like that's not really my thing i would not want a boyfriend that emotional to be honest but he is who he is <laughs> so yeah, no, I I, I liked this storyline. I, I love President Tarina. <laughs> it took me a second. I love President Tarina. Um, I do too. And I, you know, for the present of Navarre and as a Vulcan, I thought that she was very, I, I really liked the moments actually between her and Book. 
because she it was she articulated well that even though Vulcans suppress their emotions, they're actually are very acutely aware of the fact that they have very strong emotions. And that also allows them, at least in this case, not always, to be very empathetic, you know, to the struggling and suffering of others. And I really like that scene between her and Book and then her kind of helping Book to kind of to come to come to some sort of like emotional absolution for everything that's happened. So I really it made me it made me love her even more. Um, so that I really did appreciate as well. So yeah. What did you think? Yeah, I yeah, you know, I did I did appreciate the the moments between her and Book. I thought that that was really well done. I also appreciate that they're they're really sticking with the science, quote unquote, about this and really like doing the research. They're working, yeah, they're really working on the um from that perspective. So that's good. I, I'm glad that so originally this we sort of call this a fetch quest episode to some extent, or you would. And that's what I thought of, mm-hmm. thought of right away because the main storyline is not about what we're talking about right now. It's kind of like on hold as they do other yeah. things. Yes, yeah. exactly. So, uh, but I, so I, I did appreciate that. I appreciated that they were down in engineering researching this and, and that Stamets was going through and his hypothesis was proved by four out of five points. And they were trying to get to this fifth point. So, uh, you know, I am very curious what they're, you know, I, this, this for me, I'm really curious about this because I, I really want to know, I, I, I'm like the crew. I really want to know what's, what's, what is this? How is this possible? It's defying science. It really is defying science. So, uh, you know, what science in the realm of Star Trek science, like Star whatever. Trek, yes. Yeah. Star Trek. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I know they have science advisors, so I think some of the dark matter pieces of this is probably uh, fairly accurate. Uh, I mean, we but... haven't, wormholes are completely theoretical. We haven't, like, found any, so oh, they can make so, a, okay, they can yeah. say whatever they want. We haven't even yeah. discovered dark matter. Dark matter is also a theory. Anyway, continue. Okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll defer to you on these subjects as the resident scientist resident scientist of the of the uh, two minds here but uh, oh, so I'm, I'm glad that i'm glad that they're just exploring this I, i'm glad that they're sort of working through this it's not an easy answer uh that it's stymieing them i think that this is all very uh appropriate you know you know it doesn't create a lot of drama so obviously the characters have to there has to be other forces at play here in right. creating the drama uh, but, uh, you know, and I think obviously books guilt, uh, is really the driver for a lot of this and, and, mm-hmm. and Stamets promised to figure this out in order to pay back book for saving his family. So, uh, I think that that dynamic is really interesting. I'm so glad that we are exploring, um, guilt survivors guilt mm-hmm. in this essence mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. also you know the guilt that you always feel after after something happens and you you know this need to tell someone or to to, to know that someone that you love someone right that was part of 
the challenge for him is that right, he wasn't right. sure that Leto knew that he loved him. And mm-hmm. so Tarina was President Tarina was able to help him see that moment that he didn't quite recall where Leto does look back and smile at him. And there's a connection there. So that was really nice to see. And and hopefully, you know, that can give some closure to book, but obviously there's still this drive to figure this out because there are other planets and places in, in danger from this. So, right. So, yeah, so that's sort of my overall feelings about that. You know, the, the annoyance that, Stamets felt that you know Stamets was being very Stamitsy in this he episode. Is. He's very Stamitsy. Uh, uh, so that's and that's okay. That's why you know why we love Stamets. You know to some extent. That's I'm okay with Stamets. Uh, and your comment about being emotional. So I have found, at least personally, in my relationship with Dennis, certainly, but in other relationships too where you know a balance is important so whereas you are oh i'm not I mean, saying i need someone that's a robot like you know no, that's I know, definitely I know. not what i'm saying but i think that i do not think that i would be able to deal with someone that has like emotional outbursts all the time like i could not deal with that yeah okay. i don't yeah, i don't that makes that. sense yeah you know yeah. i i can use someone that has feels more than i do um, but it can help me to also articulate my feelings and like explore certain, certain elements of feelings that I don't necessarily explore on a regular basis, but I, I really don't need someone like Stamus has emotional For outbursts, sure. you know, like, yes, he does. Culver is extremely, he's very even keeled and very patient. I would yes. be less, I'm like, I'm going to stab you if you have another <laughs> emotional outburst. Like, you know, so um, that's, so I don't need someone like that, I'm saying. Sure, yes, yes. So I, my point is like, I think that relationships, good relationships, great relationships bring balance. And I think sure. that that's, um, so yeah, so that's my thought on that. Um, so why don't we move over to the main storyline of the the episode, which is, Burnham and Michael Burnham and Gabrielle and this whole quat malat. I have trouble with and that. Tilly. And Tilly. And Tilly. Yes, there's some great Tilliness in this episode, yes. which is yes. awesome. Uh, we've been so, Tilly. Yeah, so I'm very light. proud of myself because I feel I kind of was able to identify what Tilly's issue is. <laughs> And I, I was like, yes, thank you. I feel like I can be, I can take over Dr. Culper's job, um, which was essentially that she is, she said, yeah, she's essentially having a quarter to life crisis. You know, she was able to kind of reach and achieve what is like being in college. And you're like, I'm going to, you know, go after my career. And then you actually get what you want. And then it's like, okay. Now what? Now what do I do? And I feel that Tilly totally was on this path where she got to a point where she started to succeed in her career in Starfleet. She got to command. She got to do these things. And it's like, is that it? Now what? You know? And she really needed to reevaluate. And I love some of the insight that Gabrielle gave her and the whole play on, um, you know, choose to live, right? And then, well, I don't remember the whole quote that Gabrielle um, threw at her, but it's like, you know, like basically the, the essence of it, 
you know, you reach the end of a path, right? And you need to choose exactly. to live, something like that, right? Yes. Um, I love that. I actually really like that. And it, it forced Tilly to think about, okay, like you reach the end of this road, what now? And I really yeah. thought that that was a great payoff. I actually like that more than like this whole like co-op well, supply. I was like, whatever. Like, it was just like, it was like, all right, whatever, whatever. Actually, like, yeah, the whole payoff of Tilly was, um, was worth it. <laughs> was that that side, side, side quest, whatever. Um, was totally worth Tilly coming to this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and thank you. I, I had totally forgotten about that little bit about choose to live and that whole story that Gabrielle kind of breaks down for her and says mm-hmm. that that's the shortened version of right, it. Right, right. Um, and I do still like this tie back to Picard too. So I like that things are threads throughout um the Star Trek universe. So I'm really, really digging that as well. Yeah, I think that that was really um, an important part of this. And I also think, so my prediction is that we have not seen the last of this alien race. I cannot think of their name, but I think that- oh, yeah, I don't, I, I can't, they, they kind of looked like, I don't know, there were like very species A472, like it was just like kind of buggy. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, 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 I, but I, um. You know, and I was also afraid, like, oh my gosh, what have like what have you just awakened? How do you know that these are, you know, yeah, well they're telepathic, let... like eight four seven two, like you know, like who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So what have we awakened? Uh and uh what's going to happen? But I feel like we have not seen the end of this, and this is this sort of side quest that we're on will have a payoff later on. I, I feel like this is not that'd be cool the end of of this i think having another alien race out there that may have an answer or may support a solution uh to everything is uh is going to be a part of this journey that we're on so so that was but uh, you know you get you get sort of the you get the alien vibes right the planet you know the planet with all the eggs and uh, felt very do you remember like Prometheus, like alien? Yes, yes, like yes. Yep. I feel it felt very much like that. The, I agree. Um, yeah. Like the engineers and stuff like that. Like just it, just the cocoons. It felt very, very Prometheus to me. Yeah, exactly. Alien, really yeah. Scott. Yeah, yeah. It felt. Uh, yeah, it did. And 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 I, I guess I just wish that in this, you know. In this case, I it you definitely got those sorts of vibes. I just wish that there was a little more originality with some of these sorts of things. You know, you know, I I get the cocoon piece, but you know, couldn't we have like tombs or you know something something that wouldn't echo another franchise, another you know type of alien species? I guess I don't know. I, I you know it wasn't. I wasn't, you know, I think that, I thought that was fine. I thought that was fine. Like it was, it, I wasn't blown away by it. Like it was just, yeah, okay. I wasn't it really, either. And I, to I, me, it really served more as a vehicle for Michael and Gabrielle to have some time together, but then for Tilly to kind of, a lot of it, a lot of what, whatever her name is, to <laughs> Javini, goodness. Javini, yeah. Names, yeah. I'm telling you. What you know, the whole thing with Juvini was kind of a a learning lesson for Tilly, right? Um, yes, so, absolutely. 
it really was more of a narrative vehicle than anything else. It was fine. But yeah, maybe the aliens would yeah, come back, you know? Because yeah, we didn't really I, see that I, much I, of them. So they were just like... No, we didn't know. Right, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. So I think we'll see more of them. I, I thought that it was a nice... It was nice to see Gabrielle and Michael have some time together as well. It wasn't so adversarial like it was when they first met last season, <laughs> right? Right. right. Uh, so that was sort of... But nice to see I, as well. But the thing I do like is that they're still um, coming from different perspectives, right? Because Gabrielle yeah, has oh, committed yeah. to this quantum lock philosophy and Michael's coming from her point of view and Starfleet. And obviously last time that was a big source of conflict, you know, the way that Gabrielle was trying to teach Michael a lesson. I don't know. It was, it was kind of annoying. I thought that was kind of annoying. The whole like, the, the first time we we visited um, Navarre, whatever. But, um, you know, like this time it was less like obtuse in the way that she was trying to teach Michael a lesson. Um, but I did like the fact that they sustained just the element that they're that they are different. They, they're no longer the people that they used to be and that they had to kind of work through their differences. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I think it is definitely, a, you know, a good mother daughter bonding, but you can tell that they're two strong women who have very strong beliefs and they're sort of navigating how to interact with one another. Right. Cause it's uh, been, still, I mean, what, like, because if, because it wasn't until when was the last time that they, before Navarre last season, was it just, it was when the whole red angel thing, right. It was a red angel thing. I'm sorry. It's like, it's, it feels like forever ago. Um, the, the red angel thing. I'm trying to think. I mean, like they obviously had like a big gap in their relationship because Michael thought that they were yeah. dead for a long time. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, so there's that. And then, so they still need to kind of uh, get to know each other. Right. Like it's not like they spent all this yeah. time together. Right. Yeah. They don't, you know, exactly. So, yeah, I, I think that that was nice. Uh, I also enjoyed the... You know, the Tilly interacting with the other Quat Malat, uh, who was oh, yeah, you know, awkward, the awkward, life. quickly killed off. Uh, yeah. you know, the, there was that. Uh, so but I, I like the interaction that she had and how mm. she could recognize that, you know, Tilly was nervous and excited at the same time and recognize that and accepted that, you know. So, right. uh, and Tilly was impressed with the whole idea of absolute candor. So, um, so yeah, and of course, really Tilly great... is just so awkward, and she when she's given the sword, she like drops it. Of course, of course, yeah, of course. That that would be like me. So I'm excited to see now that Tilly has some self, more self knowledge. I'm excited to see where this sort of takes her next. Yeah, no, um, I really now that she kind of realizes that she needs a change. What is that going to be? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. And I hope that she continues to work with Culver and work through this and try to figure this out. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Culver did sort of lay down a gauntlet for her to help Adira, help them out, you know, with, you know, navigating as an ensign. So I hope that Tilly will continue to do that. I like that. I think that, um, yeah, maybe now it's her time to teach other people and be a mentor. Yeah. And, and also, you know, 
maybe uh maybe Tilly will become the counselor on the ship who knows you know I, that would be interesting I, you know uh because as saru notes he's playing double duty with culber is playing double duty as a doctor and as a counselor right uh plus all of his familial responsibilities so there's that as well so mm -hmm. uh he's busy uh, i thought that that was a nice scene between him and saru in the in the bar just talking and kind of acknowledging each other and mm -hmm. uh and also the situation which leads us into the third part of this story is there anything else about before we jump to uh the adira gray storyline that you want to talk about with burnham's story oh they know so. that wait what was it what? oh my gosh the question that i posed in our chat uh so oh. i thought you could ask at the end but that's oh fine. i get, yeah i guess we could come well back i mean it. we're talking about this so i guess it's fine yeah we'll yeah let's talk about it now so so they capture javini they bring her back uh and it becomes uh embroiled in a political kind of negotiation between navarre and starfleet and the federation and the way that it ends up is that the starfleet loses out on this uh because Javini is not going to be persecuted by Starfleet and face Starfleet justice for the killing of this commander on one of the ships for the dilithium. So Michael is obviously upset by this. Uh, the Admiral, uh, Dadmiral uh, Vance is, you know, he's, He's become sort of a father, even more of a father figure this season, I think. Like he's he's much mm -hmm. he's sort of explaining, he's letting Burnham kind of experience these things, and then he's sort of imparting right. his wisdom upon her. But then we have the president, uh I can't uh, it's not it's Neelik or Nilik or I, uh, I can't think it's, of the president. It was like Neelix? <laughs> I know I want I know I was I didn't I didn't want to say Neelix but um, Rillick 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 um so the president makes the decision I'm assuming I, I or negotiates with Starfleet over the decision that they are turning Javini over to the Kwatmala and Navarre for justice mm -hmm. and uh so my question to you is and was do you agree with this outcome and how President Rillick deals with this and her yeah. reasons behind it? Um, so I thought it made perfect sense. I had no issues with it. I thought, if anything, I didn't know. It kind of confused me as to what Michael wanted. Because she, you know, she, when she pre presents Javini in, in Fisticuffs, um, like she's trying to advocate that, oh, you know, there are circumstances to be considered. She did this because she wanted to save a species, blah, blah, blah. So she kind of made like a, you know, little appeal, right? Um, and then once, once President Nilik, Rilik, what? Rilik, 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 Rilik basically Rilik. says, oh, we're actually going to hand it over to the jurisdiction of Navarre, uh, Michael gets upset. But I didn't quite know what Michael wanted from the situation like it was a little confusing to me because because again she made this appeal so she wanted like in my mind she almost wanted uh reduced sentencing of some sort 
Um, obviously, I thought she so, wanted so, justice. So. She wanted justice for the slain Starfleet officer and his justice for the surviving family. So it really comes back to you know. But Barnum, I don't understand Barnum. why she has an issue with because it's like okay, so it, it's. The, the thing is, Navarre is not part of the Federation right now. So there is a open, there is a debate for whose jurisdiction Javini falls under. She committed a crime on a Federation vessel, but she is a citizen of Navarre, right? So you can make this argument that this actually, if it's, if it's like two countries, right? Like if an American goes to China and commits a crime, is that Amer- should that American be, be tried under China law? Or should they be brought? Should they be extradited to America and be tried under American law? So it's actually, in my mind, there's nothing wrong with the two countries kind of talking it out and figuring out, like, okay, in this circumstance, we'll let China says, like, we'll let you guys take him back and try try this person under American law. I actually don't see any issue with this um, because it is this like it is this fuzzy space because yeah, like because she she is not a Federation citizen. Javini's not a Federation citizen. If she was, then it makes sense for her to be tried under Federation court. So in my mind, there's absolutely nothing wrong with what President Rillick did. And it makes total sense. Like she wants to show, you know, she she allowed this mission to be a joint mission. She wants to, you know, wants Michael to cooperate with the Quatmalot and to show Starfleet and, and, and basically... Uh, Navarre, a Navarre citizen working together. And here she's also trying, you know, trying to make sure that she's on the good side of President Arena. So it, it totally makes sense to me. If anything, Michael's response was, in my mind, inappropriate. Like, I didn't, I didn't think that her response made much sense to me. And I'm not saying that just because, like, oh, I'm not a big fan of Michael Burnham. I'm I was really trying to look at this from a larger perspective in terms of what President Rillick was trying to do. And it is a very fuzzy like a fuzzy circumstance, you know? Yeah, I, I would say, so going back to your analogy, though, this is more like a Chinese citizen doing a, doing, hurting or killing someone on an American boat in Chinese waters or something like that. And the Americans decide to send the Chinese person back to China for, for justice rather than bringing them back to America for justice. Anyway, but that that's, but that's that's the way I see it more as. But from Michael's standpoint, this and is also about- she she knows that I think that Michael should know that, like the the, the I was gonna say the Vulcans, but the Navi- Navarians, they're gonna be fair. Navarians. You know, they're going to be logical and fair about this trial. It's not like they're just gonna be oh, Navar citizen, she gets to go so free. You know. I don't think it's about that for Michael. So I, what I'm seeing, what I'm seeing or thinking, this ties back to Michael's early life as a kid whose parents were killed by someone else in a, in a terrorist attack, and she wants justice. Those people were never really caught or captured, and so it's and she was the survivor. So she's sort of placing herself in what are this? What is this commander's children? How are they getting justice? So she's placing herself in the children's perspective. But is, that, children. but is she assuming that she's not going to face justice? This is what I'm concerned. This is what I'm confused about. Like, I think that she will face justice just under 
Navarre law. Right. I, I, but I don't think if she that... was like going to just be set free with no repercussions, then yes, I understand. But I don't think that's going to be the situation. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. And hopefully maybe we'll get some, some information about it in the future as to what happens. I don't know. But I think, I think it just still ties back to where, where it is, how does the children of this slain commander and the family, his partner, how do they find justice in this situation? Because again, so it's not even for Michael think knowing that she'll face justice. I think it's about that she's taking the, she's taking on the area of uh, being an advocate for the family and how do they get justice in this situation, which they won't because they're not going to know why they're not? not going why, to be able to see. They, why can't they be, be like, keep a surprise as to what the what the what the judgment is I on mean, the bar? You know, it's not like they're not talking. You know, but it's and not something she obviously can... has. Ta- you know, and President Relic, not President Relic. I'm sorry, President Tarina. You know, she has connections like my boss connections. So if she really wants to make it happen. She went, President Tarina, can you do me a favor and just let me know so I can let the family know? And I'm sure President Tarina, like, sure. You know, like I just don't. I just don't get it. Like, I actually disagree with you. I, if, if she was going to be set free with no, like, and this is also assuming that. I think one of the things I, I I think that, that Michael wants justice in the form of this person killed this person. So therefore I think this is more about this Javini being killed or being like put into Starfleet prison for 50 years for killing this Starfleet officer so that the the family knows that there's been justice done in that way. I think that the the but, vagueness but that's but the vagueness of the situation. No, no I think I, it, I think it does well, make so sense. So you're assuming that Michael so I strongly disagree with you about this because you're basically assuming that Michael thinks that federation law is more just and right than to, than Navarre law. I think that that's what Michael thinks. Yeah. I think what, that Michael thinks why that. Why would you think why would we think that? Like why why I don't would, think we think that with I think that but Michael, why will Michael thinks think that. that. The thing is, why will Michael think that? She grew up on Vulcan. Like, you know, like she she respects Vulcan. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a logical so this is where we're we're tackling it from different places. You're logically you're you're not wrong. I'm not saying that I disagree with you. I'm simply trying to 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 show you that the other perspective is this very emotional wanting revenge, wanting some some justice because you're angry that you're so these kids are growing up without their father one of their fathers and Mm -hmm. there's an anger in her i think still again it's tied back to this whole idea that you know michael's story and how how she's no i guess i understand what you mean but what the the fault in logic for me is it's not logic, though. It's emotional. No, but it's, it's, but it's, it's also clearly... so. So, do you think that she really thinks that like Navarre law is not adequate? She's un she's unsatisfied with the solution. She but feels, she doesn't even know like what the solution is going to be. Like she hasn't even been the trying. solution, but it's out of their hands. But That's even if it, even if she was tried under feder a federation court, like it's still up to a jury or peers. It's not like. It, 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 she wouldn't be able to control the, the justice outcome. system. 
I, I'm not saying that it's logical. You're arguing it from a logical standpoint, and I understand. But even from emotional perspective, no, nope, like, you're, you're, you're not. You're not. You're not. You're missing the um, anger and the the anger that is still in Michael for the loss of her father and the justice that those Vulcans who attacked the school and or the 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 science place that they were stationed at. There's still that fire that burns in her that's angry about the lack of justice for that that she had and i think that that's what's carrying forward here is that someone close she's really advocating from the perspective of the kids and the kids there this commander's children have no you know she thinks wrongly or rightly that these kids are going to be angry and have to obviously they have to live without their father one of their fathers and so I think that that's the other piece of this. This is an anger, revenge, um, you know, a trauma situation where Michael's reliving no, the trauma. Revenge. I, I do think that Michael has a very strong sense of justice. I do agree with that. Whether or not that just her sense of justice is correct is a different argument. But I don't think this is. I don't think she's burning with revenge. I think I'm it's not justice. saying it's correct wants, or not. She, she wants justice. She wants justice. Revenge. Yeah, she wants to revenge. I don't, which I don't actually agree with. Um, I mean, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I think I mean, it is the, justice. Like she has a very, very strong sense of right and wrong, um, and it is carried by emotion. I agree with you. However, I just don't really see why the disconnect for it's me. It's not logical. This goes. Back it's not to, logical. But, but even based upon emotion, I don't quite understand why she sees Federation law superior. You know, she has this like. Mm-hmm. You know, she she thinks that that seems very Michael, though. Michael thinks that things are like that Starfleet and Federation law and justice is superior. I mean, that's clearly, you know, evident. And, you know, she always. But why remember that are you remember that Michael has the highest ideals? So and but remember she's, but she's also, also seen the Federation fall flat on space as well. Sure. Yeah. She still has the highest ideals. So I don't. I I mean, I'm not saying it's logical. I'm not saying I'm understanding. I'm just presenting the opposite. I understand your logic. With you know, I think that there's some, some, somewhat of a vagueness about what kind of justice she will face because they're so she's they're going back to Navarre. Yes, but I believe, and I we've only watched this once, so I can't really be. 100% 100% sure, but I believe that she's going to face justice from the Quat Malat, not from Navarre. She's going to face Quat Malat justice. And mm, I, I think remember. that that's even, I think Let's that. See if that, memory alpha says anything. <laughs> I think that there's just a vagueness around what the justice but for I think Javini you, I feel be. the Quat Malat's going to, they're going to be even more harsh, to be honest. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's vagueness around this. That's the part of this that this frustrating uh for for burnham i think there's vagueness and i think that they're gonna face Quatmalat justice not navarre justice which uh, she may have so, faith in. so it says one with his memory alpha vance informs Serena that starfleet was remanding javini into her custody for for extradition to navarre mm, yeah i mean it makes it sound like she's gonna be under she's just gonna be dealt with by navarre i don't know whatever but I, I still think it's going to be Kuat justice and not Navarian justice. Sure, which but I think anyway. is even more extreme than maybe. Maybe we don't, we don't. 
We don't know. we don't know what the ju- justice system of the Quat Malak are. So that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not I I I understand where you're, what you're saying. I'm just trying to present the emotional side that I think Michael Burnham is operating from. And I also think that the vagueness of the kind of justice that she's going to face back on Navarre is is vague enough that where so, whereas you know what murder what murdering a Federation citizen will lead to. So I'll be more honest. I do not feel Michael's being written well this season. I, so I understand what you're trying to say, but I feel yeah. that they're just doing this to create more conflict between Michael and President Relic. Um, Relic. That, yeah. I feel they're just doing that. And yeah. I, if we were to try to extrapolate Michael's reaction in this situation, I, I agree with you. But I'm making the argument that her emotional response, purely emotional or logical, whatever, makes a little sense because I don't think she's being written well. I think that there's yeah. a great conflict. Okay. Um, this is also my, my issue with her in episode one of the season where, yeah. again, we have that scene where she is just trying to create, there's just, she's just trying to make conflict yeah. with this precedent, you know? And I feel that yeah. they're just, because... The issue is, and I think you mentioned this earlier, it's because the threat right now is this natural disaster, right? It has no face. There is, so there's no like person or evil behind it, at least from what we know. So they need to create these like emotional situations between the characters to make it relational, to make it, um, to make it like something that is, that for the audience can emotionally invest in. So I think they're just, I think there's creating conflict versus creating conflict versus like, oh, it's very consistent with the character and the character's being written well, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I, you, you could, you, yeah, I I understand what you're saying. The only thing I would say to counter that is that Michael, that Sinequa is a producer this season. So she's very closely tied to the direction that Michael's character is right. I feel that means very little, but like, like Patrick Stewart was a producer on Picard and I thought Picard season was terrible. Like, you know, okay. Well, I mean, that's, but they're like, being, they're, they're at least involved in the discussions and the, the, the direction of their character. So that's all I'm saying. But, you know, I mean, she yeah, might like the, can... the thing is, Nico might like the conflict. You know, she might actually, because it gives her more to work with, like as yeah, an actress. Um, sure. Yeah. I just don't think it's, yeah. uh, I, I personally think that the character, as much as I don't like Michael Burnham, is not being written well. Okay. So that's my opinion. There we go. Yeah. All right. Um, wow. That turned into quite the discussion about uh, the ending of this episode. Um, well, we're not even done because we still have. Not even. We still have. We still have the uh, Gray and Adira storyline. So, and we get to see uh, Guardian Z come in and help with this process of. Uh, and, and remind me, when have we seen this? transfer happened before have we seen guardians come and they do that uh out of body thing right where yeah it was uh, what facets right facets from deep space nine Nine. yes so yeah so this is what a guardian does but they can also help in this case they're transferring the consciousness more permanently but uh, that was a wasn't a thing in facets like because um curzon wanted to say in odo so technically that the guardian could have just let you know if that really was what they all decided the guardian couldn't force him to go back right yes into, the gar- into i guess body. Just yes. say that way 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so uh, th- so we have the guardian doing. I wish you got the that. whole ceremony with the fire and the whatever. It was like. Well, then, so Guardian Z is doing this from a distance, so he's not even yeah, really there. Which I was like, so, okay, because I feel that like in facets, there was some sort of like telepathic element happening, like in yes. the facilitation. Well, there was this. Wasn't there some object that they both yeah, there put was their some hands on? Non-corporeal like thing floating out. Yes. So I was kind of like, huh. But the Guardian was present there. So this is an interesting. Uh, so I guess the technology is doing it this time. And Guardian Z is yes. just overseeing it. But uh, we have some really touching scenes, I think, between Gray and Adira and how they are dealing with this. You know, yeah, I, I think guess. that. I mean, I think that, you know, Adira is both excited and nervous about she's essentially they sorry, not she they are essentially losing uh, one of their uh, previous hosts. Uh, Right. And and yes, and Gray is not going to be there like constantly (laughs) as as much. Right. Yes. Gray can go and have his own life. I think. Yeah, exactly. And Adira is going to struggle with that. So um yeah so i think that there's that part of it um that they're dealing with and then there's also the excitement that gray is feeling about his new body and uh and so there's this there's this period where nobody knows what happened to um to gray's consciousness right Right. so there's this time where they're kind of contemplating that we just have to let it work itself out and Mm -hmm. guardian z has done everything possible the technology has done everything possible and it comes down to adira holding gray's hand and that sense of touch that finally brings gray out of it but i suppose i mean i think that it was a little too kind of like sappy sappy for me i'll be honest it was i was kind of just eye rolling the whole time (laughs) yeah i i didn't i i wasn't emotion tied by it at all it it just felt it it was too dramatic it was too soap opera-y for me personally it's fine i'm glad i'm glad we finally got some sort of resolution because it's been dragging the whole gray needing a body and needing out of Adira. So I'm glad we're finally there. I'm glad I didn't take all season because that would have been annoying. Um, I'm, I'm glad to move on and see what happens next. It, it was it was just too soap opera for me. It was too dramatic. Okay. I for mean, me. that's for me. For you. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's exciting for those characters. I think it's uh, it's going to be a new adventure for them both sure uh, and uh i think it's also a great great way to bring gray in, into the cast of this yes. uh, of this show and, and yes and finally. again it's you know move on you know yes exactly i mean it's about representation and and so we'll have some you know another character to like actually people to interact with sure. and experience this so i i'm sure. i'm looking forward to stamets meeting gray because Stamets is the only person in that family, in their family, who has not does not know who Gray is, other than through Adira. So, mm-hmm. and, and I feel 
a little badly that he's not there for some of this process. I know this is more Culber's area, but I feel like, you know, I wish, and this is this, I'm wondering, will this create some conflict? Will Stamets working so much and not being aware Maybe. of and, and in touch of in touch with this part of their life? Will this um, be played out as well? Possibly. I mean, I feel Samus this season might be on his own kind of like side quest, like with this whole anomaly situation and his uh, invest emotional investment in it and with book. So I, I think what you're saying makes sense, though. I mean, we'll see. But he might also kind of be doing his own thing. Right. But and also just one other thing that I liked about this storyline is that it brings Saru and Culber into this nice conversation about you're doing a lot, you're doing the best you can, um, you're doing a great job, essentially. Um, and, and it's just a nice kind of conversation between, again, we're seeing these intimate scenes that I think if you pull back and look at the production of this, we're seeing how COVID impacted these characters and we're getting more of these intimate conversations because this is what you know COVID has kind of done mm. uh, done to the production of this season so but anyway I enjoyed Saru and Culber chatting for a little bit on um, on this so so yeah so we don't know what's next for Gray we don't know how this is. I mean obviously now we have a new character who's sort of like fresh and reborn and it'll be interesting to see his journey and then also to see Adira's journey as they kind of experience mm -hmm. this loss I would assume but also this gain and uh and see how that plays out and how that might affect their work with Tilly and where that might bring Tilly into this uh this part of the story as well so i am uh, i'm 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 in for it i, I want to see i'm excited to see i know it's going to be a, more of a side story and that's totally fine i think obviously we know the big thrust of the season uh between the anomaly and burnham's journey as a new captain i think that those are the two main pushes for this season but i i think these uh, these side stories that we're seeing are a great part of what discovery does best so, um, and I just, I just wish that it involved more of the, the bridge crew in some way, but we'll see oh, if that, that ship has sailed. <laughs> I feel Maybe. we're like season four already. It's like, all right. Maybe. Like, I mean, but it would be, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, I still, I'm hopeful that we will get to see some more of that. The last uh, time we got a major episode about a, a bridge crew member, they died. So right, so. it was season two, Arium's. Yeah, you know, Arium. Yes. yes so if totally. we if we have an episode focusing on any of them, I'm like they're going to die at the end of this episode. It's over. Yeah, exactly. If we see, yes, uh, uh, you know, hope hopefully they won't repeat that same kind of thing, but uh, uh, they certainly could. And and I, you know, I think we do have to kind of keep in the back of our mind. I, I think this whole conversation that Rillick and Michael had in in episode one, you know, about how she's going to deal with the loss of someone under her command. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, it's gotta be someone close enough that it's, it makes an impact. Right. So, all right. Well, uh, there's a, a look at a very deep dive. Look at, uh, choose to live episode three. Uh, and, uh, 
I don't even know what we don't even I don't even know what the next episode's name is yet, but that no idea. No clue. Um, so all is possible, according to Wikipedia. all is. Yeah. Oh, OK. All, all is possible. All is uh, possible. Well, there we go. And uh, I would also encourage you. I know you haven't necessarily watched it. I think that the, the ready room this year has been really good. Uh, also under extras in Paramount, just seeing them talk to the you know, seeing some of the behind the scenes. I've not watched the ready room for this episode yet, but I've watched the first two and I thought they've been really good. So I encourage you and our listeners to check that out. Yes. Um, I am not going to go running to watch it. I don't have, I feel, I don't feel I have time, but I no, would encourage our listeners to do so. But, and you don't have time because you need to finish Cowboy Bebop. And there we oh go. Oh my God. It's, it's getting there. Please yeah. just finish this. I'm like, anyway, I'm crawling to the finish line. <laughs> I've watched it twice. Anyway, let's do something we haven't done in a really long time and take a walk down to Counselor Troy's office and do some dishing with Deanna. Yes, let's do it. Come in. Hi. You got a minute? Sure. So, Mike, why don't you go first? How is life going? Tell well, us like everything. We talked about at the, uh, we, like we talked about at the top of the, the show a little bit, it's been a, it's been a week and it's been a month. Uh, I mean, the, there's a lot going on at work. There's obviously a lot going on at home with a new puppy, uh, as well as, you know, adoption stuff happening. Nothing nothing about adopting a kid yet, but just we're in a paperwork phase of a renewal of our adoption process. And so that's happening. So there's that plus having a puppy at home, which Mm -hmm. is. uh, Sounds like a nightmare. It's not a nightmare. I mean, mean, it's not a nightmare. It is. uh, It is uh, work. It is definitely work. I mean, I was. Yeah, my fish. I mean, I don't think you showed at the beginning. I mean, you know, Hamish had some issues, like GI issues last night. Some diarrhea. Did, so yes. And well, honestly, I if a fish uh, had diarrhea, I would never know. I would never know. Like, they just poop into the tank. There, so. Of course. Yes. No. So, yes, I was up uh, in the middle of the night with my puppy who was having diarrhea and um, Odd. not feeling well. So... Yes. So there is that. Uh, work is just really busy as we approach Christmas. And then obviously we get some time off afterwards, which is good. Uh, and then, yeah. And Oh, and I talked a little bit about today. Today we got a whole new benefit system at work as well. And all these new benefits to not just to go through like a complete change. So like I said to you before we started recording, I've had uni- a version of United Healthcare for over 20 years. And so uh, I guess it's Blue Cross Blue Shield, but I have no idea, but it's called Empire, whatever this new Mm -hmm. um, health insurance I have is. So I have no idea about it. Um, So, and and also we have five days to sign up. So it's just a lot. Yeah, our, and so and, sure. so that's one thing. Yeah, so we, we just got it yesterday. There was one session yesterday. I did this morning session. 
we have to sign up the deadline is next Monday and then we uh, then we go into a so our benefits are for five months and our renew so they run which is just weird I don't understand this at all why benefits would run June 1st to May 31st I have no idea who the hell picked that kind of schedule that isn't even that's five months in you know, it's, it's doesn't July. Sure. If you said July 1st to June 30th, I mean, half the world and half the country companies in the S and P 500 run July 1st to June 30th. Yeah. So, I was like, I was going to say, does it have something to do with their fiscal? Like how they, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've never heard of an off cycle fiscal like that, but uh, it's just, and it's definitely not our fiscal. I mean, our fiscal year runs July 1st to June 30th as a, as a company, but um but i've never had benefits that run june 1st to may 31st it's just right so there's so many things about that this is you know including you know i have no idea if this new insurance is even gonna if my doctor is even gonna accept it um so it's just and it's slightly more expensive than what i was paying last year so it's just a lot so there's that on top of just normal work stuff and on top of adoption and puppy stuff and mm-hmm. uh you know uh other you know other personal projects and things that in life that are just happening so it's a lot i mean christmas is coming i have no idea what to get dennis um so money there's that. money <laughs> that's why my mom gives me every year because she has no idea what to give me Yes. No. Um, so there's that, you know, well, there's thanks, that. Uh, so, yeah. So uh, that's a fish all. Tank? Going- you know, maybe he'll like a fish tank. Uh, no, I don't think that. He <laughs> you would not. You would not. appreciate. It. it was just going to trash. No. Yes, yeah. uh, it would. So, yeah. So that's sort of what's going on here. Uh, what about you? What's going on with you? Uh, are you still doing the. So we have. What do we have? We have the well work is drowning oh, and then yeah. you have work is, is crazy matchmaker I, I better after this week but this week has been really crazy yeah and today i had two people on my team out and i just had to cover them and it was a lot so but it's fine it's fine it's totally fine we will we'll, we'll be fine <laughs> and then uh, then you have what's going on with them any updates on the matchmaking front um, not really. So the matchmaker emailed me last week and I haven't even responded. So I haven't gotten a Pro Bowls match in weeks. And he basically just said that they're working on me every week. He and his assistant matchmaker, they're working on me every week. Um, and they appreciate my patience and i didn't even respond to that email not because i was mad or anything but i was like what what am i gonna say you know but i don't know i think this is probably gonna be my last month with the service because it just hasn't really produced much in the way of results you know so is this this four months now this is the third month third month so yeah it's you know it's it's like kind of discouraging um and obviously a waste of money <laughs> but it's fine you know um obviously I, I went i 
went into it knowing that it would be an investment. So it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think I might um, just stop and then just take a break from matchmaking, the matchmaking services, and then maybe revisit something else in spring or something. Okay. So. I mean, that, that makes sense given what's, uh, yeah, given the kind of response, lack of response, or how I don't even know how to qualify it, but. Well, it's just lack of results, you know, there haven't been much in that regard. So it's kind of just throwing money into the void, you know? Right. Yeah. This feels like a one or two star review coming out soon to uh, Yelp near you. I mean, the thing is like, I wouldn't, you know, like I, I actually don't necessarily blame the matchmaker. I thought that he did a good job in the intake and he has, it's really hard to pin down why, right? If they're not really, able to find me matches is it really their fault you know because there are so many variables out of their control um including my prerequisites but then also other people being interested so it's it's not it it i wouldn't necessarily put all the blame on them it's hard for me to ascertain why the results haven't really been coming so i wouldn't necessarily you know i probably would just not give them rating like versus being like, oh, they, they, they suck. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Anything else? Well, so this is your last month in your thirties. It is. Yes. Yes. So, turning, uh, turning forty, very turning soon 40. in like three weeks or yes. so. Well, we're three weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. So any, that's any fine. As you're coming to the end of this decade. My, I mean, I've said this before. My, my only thought is, I, I don't know if I want to do another forty years of this of like living. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so much work, it's so much effort, um, that it's kind of exhausting to think about that there might be another forty years of this. So, it's fine, you know, just chugging along, you know, living, etc. Yes. <laughs> fair enough. Fair All enough. great things. <laughs> um, any other social things going on in your life? I mean, you're you're obviously very busy socially because you can't finish Cowboy Bebop uh, to well, save your life. Well, I've been spending a lot of time like on my fish tanks. Like that's been a big okay. preoccupation. Just kind of dealing with that and kind of micromanaging them. And I, I like it, you know, it's fun, but I spend probably way too much time on them. So, I mean, between work, having been really, work is really crazy the last three weeks. It's just been like deadline after deadline. I think at the end of this week, it, after this week, it'll be better, but it's been a lot between that. And then in my free time, I've been doing fish tank stuff, still trying to work out, still trying to be social, doing this podcast. Um, I don't know. There's just a lot, you know, it's just, I, I don't think that I'm even that productive of my time. Like, because I just know people that are really good. Like I know I have, I have friends that there's one guy I know from, from my last church. Um, he, he's a VP at like JP Morgan. 
he has a wife, he has four kids. Um, and he's also on like two, he's a board member on two nonprofits or something. Um, he also volunteers. He hosts events at his, at his place. He's just like, and he's like, I I just don't know. He's like my age. And I think, actually, I think he's a year younger. And I'm just like, I don't know where you get all this energy and time and bandwidth. Like, I, I just have no idea how he's always on the go and doing things and helping society and doing work. He also does things at work. Other than his job, he also leads like groups, like different groups, like, like it's like ERG groups, right? Or whatever we call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like resource resource, right. Yeah. He also leads yeah. that at work. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I, I do not know how he does this. Um, and he's always like, and when you talk to him, he's always like energetic and positive. And like, I can like, I can, like, I feel like I can barely take care of myself, let alone like four kids and volunteer and host constantly and do all this extra stuff at work on top of my job. Like, I'm just like, I don't know how, you know, some people do that. It's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's inspiring. And yet I'm kind of like, I can't, I won't, you know? So, yeah, that is a lot. Uh, yeah, I, f- I feel like that with just a puppy sometimes. Just even but... hearing about it, exhaust is exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> like, not even doing it, just hearing him talk about how much he does. I'm, I'm, I'm tired just hearing you. <laughs> you know, just thinking about that, let alone doing yeah. it. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing, all of the stuff that he's doing. So, wow. No, yeah, that is a lot. I a don't lot. I, I, it's a yeah. lot. Wow. So, uh, so anyway, it makes me I, feel like what am I doing? Like I, tr- I try to stay productive, active, and I try to utilize my margin as it were. But I feel like maybe because I'm an introvert, I still need this like downtime and just doing like shit, like fish tank stuff, you know, just like hobbies right. and like whatever. Um, to recharge and I just can't imagine constantly utilizing my time to the last drop like that you know it's, it's just not possible yeah no that's true he is yeah. an extrovert so that's a piece of it you know that's a part yeah. of it yeah right yeah I think that there's a definite yeah obviously he gets his energy from these right activities so right well um and I do know, well, so we both have trips coming up in February. You right. Are, well, you that's really heading, far away. Yeah, but you're yes. heading to, but are, I, I mean, have the spreadsheets started or no? No, not yet. February is still kind of far. That's true. It is far. Yeah, I mean, you, I, have, I you haven't even looked at flights yet, huh? No. No, not yet. Wow. I mean, has done us. I have no idea, actually. To break it down uh, for our listeners, so I am going with Dennis and one of our other friends to LA for a few days over. Um, was it pre- President pre- President Day. weekend? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you are Mike. What are you doing? I am uh, chaperoning. Being, a, I'm chaperoning a youth service trip to New Orleans. So, and I was on the phone with the. Um, with Brittany, who's leading this group, uh, and uh, today going through some of the scheduling and, and everything 
she okay. needed someone to she needed someone to just like out loud talk out things and so i was doing mostly listening but uh yeah it's a lot so yeah so i i i'm already i'm exhausted i was exhausted thinking about this um three adults obviously Brittany, myself and chris the other chaperone and 15 youth uh from 7th to 12th grade so it's uh taking a plane from jfk no less to and from jfk oh my god uh, so yeah it's uh it's pretty crazy um so yeah so there's that uh that happening um in february during that same week so yeah a lot a lot going on uh but yeah that seems very far away too but i'm excited about it i'm excited to uh yeah i i mean i love i love kids so i think Ooh. it's gonna be it's gonna be fun uh it's gonna be That'd challenging be worst nightmare fun. chaperoning a kids trip no thank you well, and also, I you know, I had to figure out like how, you know, chaperoning and doing the work and, and everything and then figuring out, well, you know, there's some things that I still need to do for my job while I'm doing this. So, oh, really? Uh, so there are a few things. I mean, you know, I'll, I think a lot will will be taken off my plate for that week. But yeah, uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> but uh yeah so but then getting caught up i mean it doesn't stop you know these things you know this happens and it doesn't stop the emails from coming in as you know yes yes stop. and the expectation that people have of you and what you're doing doesn't necessarily stop they need to adjust maybe but yes you know set their expectations <laughs> well we'll see so uh yeah so but uh, you know that's in february so i'm looking forward to that okay uh, okay okay yeah so yes while you are in well are you gonna have time with people that you want to hang out with in no. new orleans no no in fact i don't know if i know anyone in new orleans uh i i don't know anyone that lives there I don't I don't think I do. And um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's go, go, go. I mean, you wake up, you wake the kids up. You oh, my God. Get them ready. I mean, there's so cooking involved. Oh, my there's... God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes, it'll, it'll be. Oh, my God. It's, uh, yeah. How but many you know, days is it? It's uh, six days. Holy right? shit. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I take that back. It's seven days. Seven. Oh, days. my God. <laughs> yeah, from, from saturday afternoon to the following friday afternoon yeah wow. so yeah uh but it brings up memories of being a summer camp counselor uh my senior year of high school so at a summer camp so it has that feel already uh, to it so uh but yeah i'm looking forward to it but that's a ways right. away but godspeed uh, yeah. <laughs> fine. See you. So, see you when you get back. <laughs> see, ya. yeah, you all are. You all are. Well, I know you're probably staying a little extra. Or you're going early. I'm going a little back. earlier. Yeah, I'm going a little earlier since there are a few folks in LA that I want to hang out with for a little bit before um, Dennis and Tony come. But right, yeah. 
Yes. We'll, we'll and uh, Nancy, who's been on this podcast back in episode 25. And oh, man. That was a long time ago. Which, yes. That was a long time ago. Uh, she sat, I sadly, I won't get to see her. Um, she sent Dennis and I a text upon learning about the trip, and I was sadly i thought you were going so i told her i know i know yeah yeah, i I didn't realize you were going to be occupied elsewhere so i didn't you know the timing that president's day week also happens to fall on school vacation week for new york i think so um although that that impacts the kids who are going who are not in part of the new york city school system so um yeah so there's that uh but anyway, yeah. So there's uh there's a that's a lot going on uh, with Deanna. Deanna probably needs to spend more time with us to help us deal with all of these things that are going yeah, on. Yeah. In our lives. No. We need a real life Deanna. Like a therapist. <laughs> like a real life, like a therapist. That would probably be helpful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, possibly. Uh, so anyway, um, well, does does your new insurance cover? I have no. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I have no idea whether my new insurance will cover this. So it's great. Although I did tell <laughs> you, I did pack. This is tie back. I so before I knew about the new insurance, though, I was screaming about the fact that my old insurance was no longer covering CVS, which blows my mind. But now That's it's no crazy. longer crazy. Now it's no longer even a point, and le- well, unless this new insurance, which I've never had before, doesn't accept CVS. So um, that's insane. They're like a major pharmacy chain. How can they just like not accept it? Uh, you know, uh, that's it, wild. Yeah, yeah, it is. So that's insane. I don't understand. So I guess that point becomes moot, and uh, yeah. So we'll see. I've yeah, I've no idea. Uh, no idea whatsoever. So anyway, anyway, all uh, right. so there we go. Well, thank you, Deanna, for listening to us bitch about our lives for a while. And uh, I think we should wrap it up and take it home. But uh, first, we should give a shout out to our sponsor, Fansets. They make amazing pin collectibles. And this month, actually, on December 1st, they came out with the Lower Decks versions of Troy and Riker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Excited about that. that. You can still get. Uh, they've also posted recently some restocks of the Voyager uh, slash DS9 Delta magnetic version. They got a, a, a shipment of that that in, and also uh, I want to say the alternate timeline, uh, all good things uh, badge. I think oh. it was. Uh, as well so they got some more of those in but uh that is only four of the over 400 pins for star trek alone that they have which is amazing that's Uh, insane that's a lot of pins that is a lot of pins and uh i don't know what's coming out next week but i'm sure we'll get an update uh from our executive producers but Fansets has been tremendously generous in sponsoring this podcast and the Trek Geeks podcast network. And if you go to fansets.com, put a bunch of pins in your cart. If you're in the U.S. and it's over $30, you're going to get free shipping. And if you use the code DSPRIDE, all in caps, 
all one word, you will get 10% off your order. And we want to thank Fansets for supporting our podcast, Deep Space Pride, and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Thanks, Fansets. All right. So I guess that does it for this episode. Um, it does. Why don't you it's create it? It's pretty how... long. <laughs> we had a lot. To, we kind of started going on and on. And of course, we had a healthy and lively debate, which happens once in a Absolutely. while. It does. Um, but, uh, you know, we would love to hear what everyone has to think, particularly when it comes to this episode and some other things that we talked about. Uh, we'd love you all to give us your thoughts and opinions. Um, and you can do so by DMing us on Instagram and Twitter at DSpacePride, or you can email us. <laughs> I was like, what? email us at DSpacePride. It was our email dspacepride at gmail.com there we go well there we go we would love to hear from you please feel free to reach out and let us know what you think about all of what we talked about today and uh, that'll do it for this episode of deep space pride yep uh, thanks good. everyone for listening and uh enjoying hopefully our healthy debate of, mm-hmm. which i had no idea would happen uh from a very simple question did I you mean, agree with it was a it was a complicated question. There's a lot of layers it to was. it. So, and also yes. trying to uh, trying to ex- trying to understand the motives and intentions of fictional characters. So, there we know, go. Yeah, a lot to unpack. Yeah. There we go. Yes. Well, we look forward to talking to you next week. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks, Hi, everyone. Deep Space Pride is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Thank you.